John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast for May 1917. This podcast looks at life in World War I through the letters of John Adams, who was 23 when he joined up in September 1914. He served with the 9th Service Battalion Royal Irish Fusiliers and was involved in many significant events on the Western Front, particularly Passchendaele. These are his words, read by his grandchildren and narrated by his great-grandchildren. This month we find John Adams making his way back to the Western Front. It's interesting thinking about that journey he would make. He would probably, if he was travelling from home, he would go to the local railway station, maybe down to Dublin, across in the ferry to the likes of Liverpool or Holyhead, and make his way through England to London and then to Southampton, across on the boat, and then take the train as close as he could to where he was going to be stationed. This month in the history section, we look at the logistics of moving not only troops, but supplies towards the Western Front, and how the railway played a key role in that. My name's Mark Adams, and John Adams is my grandfather. During World War I, there was a need to transport large amounts of troops, munitions, medical supplies, food and much more to the front line. With each division of around 12,000 men, there was a need of around 1,000 tonnes of supplies each day. During major offences, this could double. The main way to transport such large amounts of goods in the first couple of decades of the 20th century was by railway. Motor vehicles were still only used for shorter distances and aviation had only begun to blossom with the Royal Air Force not created until 1918. Each division would need two supply trains of 50 wagons each. This could get within 7 miles of the front line, therefore there would be a risk of long distance shelling from the enemy. While both Germany and France had a railway network to rely on, Britain had to ship across the channel. During the first years of the war, Britain tried to requisition lorries and buses, around 1,000 of the former and 300 of the latter. The problem with these modes of transport became apparent during the Somme Offensive. The closer to the front, the less sure of roads would be, and with heavy rain, many vehicles ended up being stuck in mud. Narrow gauge light railways were set up to bring supplies closer to the front line, but were vulnerable to enemy art artillery and small arms fire as they got closer to the front. Small dumps were used at roadsides where horse and mule could collect the material for transport. The last part of the journey was usually made by the soldiers themselves carrying food, water and other supplies to the front lines. On the home front, the government took over the railways to be controlled by a railway executive committee. Organisation was needed to transport 120,000 men and equipment to Southampton by the end of August 1914 and continued to keep the supply links from factory to the channel open throughout the war. One major challenge was the amount of able-bodied men who volunteered for the war, which left the railways short-staffed. To fill the gap, they recruited women to take on the numerous roles that had been previously been barred to them. While John Adams made his way to the Western Front 
I am sure he would have used such transport and even carried supplies the last few miles himself. Wednesday, 2nd May 1917, London. Dear Mother, Just a line to say I have got so far safe on my journey out to France. I received your parcel all right before I left Newtonards. Many thanks for what you sent me. The weather is still very nice and I hope it continues. No more at present, your loving son, Jay Adams. Saturday 26th of May 1917, 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers, 19 Camp, 36th Base Depot, Le Havre. Dear Mother, just a few lines to say that I received your parcel all right. Many thanks for what you sent. I thought all at home had forgotten about me. It seems so long from I had any word from home. I do not want you to send me anything out. All I want is for some of them to write me a few lines now and again, and I just had two letters from Jeannie since I came out here. You would have thought before I came out I was going to get the whole of Ireland and half of Scotland, but I do not mind. I am happy enough where I am, but as I said before, I do not want anything from anyone. Anything I do hear comes through strangers. I am still at the base. All the draft I came out with has gone up the line, so I do not suppose it will take long until I am going up also. The weather is very warm out here. I believe it is very wet in Ireland at the present. No more at present. Goodbye, I remain your obedient son, J. Adams. Sunday 27th of May 1917, YMCA, on active service. According to the battalion diaries, this postcard was written near Ypres, just before the Battle of Messines, which started on 7th of June. Dear Mother, just a card to say that I have gone up the line today, so my old address will find me there. The weather is very hot. It is just like the summer. No more at present. Your loving son, J. Adams. Thursday 31st of May 1917, field postcard. I am quite well, letter follows at first opportunity. Thank you for listening to John Adams, Letters from the Front podcast. To find out more about John Adams and his family, visit www.johnadams.org.uk forward slash letters. The history of the 9th Service Battalion, Royal Irish Fusiliers, during World War I is taken from Blacker's Boys. Visit them at www.9thirishfusiliers.co.uk with the number 9. Podcasts will be published 100 years after the letters were written, so will be published nearly every month. If you would like to contact us with comments or reactions, the email address is letters at johnadams.org.uk. This has been a Mark Mess production. Thank you.